0: and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Well, today I'm going to be reading Chapter 1 from my book, The Pesky Kids, Mystery of the Squashed Cockroach. Here we go. Chapter 1, A Bad Start Shut your face or I'll shut it for you, said April angrily. She was a wiry girl who, like a hummingbird, had the strange ability to be in constant motion and appear eerily still at the same time. "'You can't shut a face,' said Finn, in his pedantic monotone. "'A face isn't something that opens and closes. "'You could ask me to shut my eyes or shut my mouth, "'but my ears and my nose are unblockable orifices.' "'I'll block them for you,' said April, "'when I punch you and they swell shut.' "'Finn narrowed his eyes slightly, "'which was about as expressive as his features got. "'He was not terribly in touch with his own emotions, "'so they rarely affected the shape of his face. "'No violence,' said Joe.' their older brother. He stammered when he was nervous, and talking made him nervous, so he stammered quite a lot. Joe knew exactly what he wanted to say, but just as the words were about to leave his mouth, they would perform some sort of acrobatics on the tip of his tongue and refuse to emerge. So generally, he said very little, except for constantly reminding April and Finn not to hurt each other. April made a scoffing noise. Their mum didn't often notice what was going on, so it was pretty easy to keep things from her, like kidney-punching your brother during dessert. April made do with shoving Finn out of the way and stomping up the front path, so she got to the door first. She punched in the code. They lived in a normal suburban house, but their mother was forgetful and often lost her keys, so they'd had a pin pad lock installed. There's a limit to how many times you can get locked out of your own home, and it still feels fun that limit is one. Having to eat raw vegetables from the garden while you wait for a locksmith is never a barrel of laughs. As soon as they pushed into the house, a whirlwind of fur leapt at April, trying to lick her face but falling short and scrabbling all over her knees instead. Oh, I missed you too, pumpkin, gushed April, bending over to greet her beloved dog. I hate it when we do javelin and PE and you have to stay home. Just then, Pumpkin's head snapped around as Finn entered the house. The dog leapt forward and bit him on the ankle. "'Ow!' cried Finn. "'Good boy!' said April, fishing a treat out of her pocket and rewarding her dog. "'You can't train Pumpkin to bite me!' said Finn. "'I didn't train him,' said April. "'He's just following his natural canine instincts. "'He can smell loser!' Joe was a tall and growing taller 16-year-old boy. He seemed to have more muscles popping up every month, so he spent a great deal of time eating food. He left April and Finn to their argument and went into the kitchen to find a snack. He didn't have much luck. The fridge was empty. There was low-fat yogurt and kale juice in there, but Joe didn't consider either of them to be food. Mum! yelled Joe, but there was no reply." Joe assumed Mum was looking at a particularly engrossing dinosaur bone. He opened the pantry and sighed. There wasn't much in there either, except for a half-empty jar of olives. That would have to see him through until dinner. He opened the jar and wandered back to the living room. Mum! yelled April. Finn just called me an idiot! No, said Finn. I called you an idiot savant. In that context, the word idiot is an adjective. Savant is actually a compliment. It means to be unnaturally good at something. You said she was good at something, asked Joe. This was unusual. Finn was 13 and April was 12. They were, in fact, only 11 months apart. So for one month of the year, they were technically the same age. And in all their lives since they'd learned to speak, Finn and April had never said anything nice to each other. Not once. He said I was an idiot, savant, explained April. I'd been a pain in the neck. It's true, said Finn. It's your one freakish talent. My bellowed April. Their mother didn't have many rules, and the few rules she did have were rarely enforced. But she was adamant that they should not call each other idiot or stupid, so April knew if she presented her argument well, she might get Finn in trouble. If you dob me in, said Finn, I'll tell her what you did at lunchtime. I didn't do anything at lunchtime, said April. You wrestled Michael Harrigan to the ground, said Finn. Now April rolled her eyes. He loved it, she said tucking her wavy, dark hair behind her ear. "'You did promise not to wrestle anymore,' Joe reminded her. "'Yeah, the headmaster made you sign a contract saying you wouldn't,' Finn added. "'I didn't hurt, Michael,' said April. "'You tore his shirt off,' said Finn, with his characteristic irritating accuracy. "'Well, he should learn to sew,' April retorted. "'It's an important life skill.' "'Fine,' said Finn. "'Then you won't mind me telling Mum about it. "'Mum!' You are the worst, said April, clenching her fists. If she was about to get in trouble for wrestling, she might as well do some more wrestling to make it worthwhile. Where is she? asked Joe, looking up at the ceiling. Their mother did not live in the ceiling, but she had an office directly above the living room. Normally, if they yelled and screamed long enough, they would eventually hear their mother's chair slide back as she got up and started down the stairs so she could shout at them to be quiet. But there was no sound from above. Did did she say she was staying late at the museum, asked Joe. Their mother was a paleontologist, a very senior and well-respected one. But the thing about spending all day with a bunch of bones that are 300 million years old is that nothing is ever really urgent. If it's waited 300 million years, it can wait another day. So their mother was very rarely late home, unless she accidentally got stuck in a lift or forgot her pass to get out of the car park, which she did with surprising regularity. If you can't keep track of your own house key, remembering a pass card is going to be pretty difficult too. Maybe she got lost again, said April. Their mother often got lost, particularly in shopping centres and shopping centre car parks. But she'd usually just get a taxi home, pick up the kids and then get them to go back with her to find the car. Joe looked at the answering machine next to the telephone. The light wasn't flashing. There were no messages. She would have left a message if she was delayed. "'She's probably just fallen asleep,' said Finn. "'He went over to the staircase and bounded up the stairs two at a time. "'It was pancakes for breakfast. "'That always makes her sleepy.' "'They heard Finn throw open the office door. "'Mom!' he called. "'But there was no answer. Joe and April heard Finn looking in the other rooms upstairs. "'She's not here!' "'I'll check the shed,' said Joe, trudging towards the back door. "'Why? "'Do you think she's decided to mow the lawn?' asked April sarcastically.' their mother had never mowed the lawn. She didn't understand the Western cultural obsession with short grass. Some of their more zealous neighbours had pleaded with her to let them do it, saying that long grass encouraged snakes. But their mother said she liked snakes. A very low percentage of them were venomous, and they lived 2.3 kilometres from the nearest hospital. So even if one of them was bitten by a venomous snake, they'd easily be able to get access to antivenom in time. It only took Joe a few seconds to cross their small yard to the tiny shed where their mother kept things she didn't use very often, like the vacuum cleaner and the ironing board. Mum wasn't there. Joe came back shaking his head. Where could she be? Even April was starting to get concerned, and generally she didn't stop being angry long enough to be concerned about anything other than herself. Just then, Pumpkin ran to the front door and started barking. Finn jogged back down the stairs. What's he barking about now? Oh, the struggles of indigenous people in Papua New Guinea, said April sarcastically. Finn looked at her confused. As if I know why he's barking, snapped April. I don't have dog ESP. True. How can you have extrasensory perception when you barely have regular perception, agreed Finn. That was the straw that broke the camel's back. April launched herself at Finn, grabbing him by the collar and wrenching him sideways to pull him off his feet but 12 years of living with April had taught Finn a thing or two about self-defence tactics. He grabbed April's wrists and dropped his weight on them so that as he fell down, he brought her down too. April was just about to put Finn in a headlock and started administering noogies when there was an almighty bang! Their front door exploded inwards, splintered wood flew everywhere and a stocky, black-clad figure wearing a full face mask burst into the room. The children found themselves staring... Down the barrel of a handgun. Oh, it's you, said the gunwoman in an unexpectedly familiar feminine voice. She holstered the gun and pulled off her face mask. Professor Maynard? exclaimed Joe. Is that you? Now I must pause to explain a few things here. Joe recognized this gunwoman because Professor Maynard was their mother's boss. Joe Finn and April's mother was a very dowdy, middle aged woman. She wore frumpy, practical clothes, cheap, thick framed glasses, and often forgot to brush her hair for several weeks at a time. So, to them, their mother's boss was frumpiness squared. She was just like their own mother, only more so and older. She was the type of woman you'd expect to absent mindedly offer you the used tissue she pulled out of her sleeve cuff. Not the type of woman you'd expect to burst into your home, dress like a ninja and brandish in a weapon. Yes, I'm afraid it is me, said Professor Maynard. Terribly sorry about that. It can't be much fun for you to have an old lady waving a taser at you when you should be doing your homework. That's a taser, asked Finn. It looks a lot like a real gun. Don't be a silly sausage, said Professor Maynard. It would be totally against the rules to point a gun at children. "'But they make our tasers look like guns, so they're more terrifying.' She got the taser out again. "'See for yourself!' Professor Maynard pulled the trigger and blasted the potted aspidistra that sat in the corner of the living room. The plant hissed and juddered as several thousand volts of electricity flooded through it. "'I think I'd rather get shot,' said Finn.' as the leaves of the plant turned brown, then black, and started to singe. Whoops, sorry, said Professor Maynard, releasing the trigger. I'm sure with a bit of water it'll perk up again. The plant was now slumped and ripping brown-green gloop. Never mind about that, said Professor Maynard, stepping in front of the plant so the children would stop looking at it. I expect you're surprised to see me. This was an understatement. Professor Maynard had only been to their house twice before, once when their mother had locked herself out, and another time when their mother forgot to come back from a conference in Uzbekistan and Professor Maynard had popped over until they could arrange a babysitter. "'I'm here to give you some very good news,' said Professor Maynard. She smiled happily to emphasise how good the news was and how lucky they were to be about to hear it. "'Your mother?' is in a jail cell in a secret prison somewhere in Eastern Europe and will probably be there for a very long time. The children were horrified. How is that good news? asked April. Because she's not dead, said Professor Maynard. We're all very relieved she's not dead. The collective can be a little trigger-happy sometimes, so she dodged a bullet there. Literally, in fact, Professor Maynard laughed at her own joke. Although to the children, it did not seem terribly funny. "'Why is she in jail?' asked Finn. "'She's a paleontologist. Did she do something wrong to a woolly mammoth bone or something?' "'What's she even doing in Eastern Europe?' asked Joe. "'She didn't say anything about leaving the country at breakfast this morning,' added Finn." "'Yes, well, she's not allowed to tell you things like that,' said Professor Maynard. "'You don't have clearance.' "'What?' said April. She was finding this conversation very confusing and upsetting, and when April was confused or upset, it was usually only a short time before she started wrestling.' I have been authorised to give you some basic details, said Professor Maynard, but it's very important for your own safety that you don't know too much. So I'm going to tell you something and you're going to have lots of questions, but please don't ask them because I won't be able to answer. The children just stared at her. Now they were all confused. Your mother is not a paleontologist, said Professor Maynard. Well, technically she is. She's fully qualified and her PhD is genuine, but that's only a cover. She did her doctorate thesis over a rainy weekend to give herself a nice, credible backstory. Then what is she, asked Joe. An international super spy, said Professor Maynard. "'What?' yelled all three children in unison. "'Yes, it is surprising, isn't it?' agreed Professor Maynard. "'That's why she really is such a top-notch agent. "'She's just so good at convincing people she's a dowdy, middle-aged academic, "'that it's no trouble at all for her to slip into another country "'and bump off a head of state.' "'She assassinates heads of state,' said Finn.' No, of course not, said Professor Maynard. Forget I said that. And I mean that. Forget it. Because if you don't, I have access to equipment that will make you forget it. Okay, said Finn, starting to edge away. Now I don't want you to worry, said Professor Maynard. We're all doing everything in our power to get your mother out. We're looking at the satellites, diverting submarines, and planning a precision missile launch any day now. But in the meantime, I'm afraid I'm gonna have to ask you to pack a bag and come along with me. What? asked Joe. He was speaking for Finn and April here as well. This accurately summarized their sentiments. Professor Maynard wagged a finger at Joe and chuckled, Uh uh-uh, uh, no follow up questions, remember? And I must urge you to hurry. She glanced at her watch. There is a collective hit team on its way here right now. They should be arriving in about 90 seconds, so if you could pack a few things in the next 70 seconds or so, that should give us enough time to run out to the car and get away before they start firing. The children wasted the next five seconds just staring at the crazy lady who had burst into their house. Professor Maynard shook her head, sadly. I knew there'd be follow-up questions. There always are. Don't worry, I understand. Your children, you're in shock. I'll have my people handle it. Professor Maynard brought her wrist to her mouth and barked into her cuff. Alpha team, go, go, go! There was a one-second pause, then twelve burly, black-clad men burst into the house. Three of them grabbed the children. Another grabbed Pumpkin. They heard the man scream in pain as Pumpkin bit him. The others streamed upstairs. The children were bustled outside into a black minivan parked by the curb. The other men were now streaming back out of the house, carrying the family's assortment of suitcases, with loose socks and undies half hanging out of their hastily shut lids. "'House is clear!' barked the last man out. "'Good work,' said Professor Maynard." but we'll have to do some spring cleaning before the collective boys arrive. The driver passed Professor Maynard what looked like a can of whipped cream. She ripped off the lid with her teeth and tossed it in through the open front door of the house. Fire in the hole, yelled Professor Maynard. The men took cover and Joe Finn and April watched as their normal suburban home exploded in a ball of fire. Hit it, Eric, Professor Maynard told the driver and the minivan squealed away. April and Finn whipped around. Through the back window, they caught a glimpse of a black BMW turning into the street just as their minivan disappeared around the corner. The end. Well, that's it for now. Until next time, when I'll be reading you chapter two, goodbye.